Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Welcome in, everyone. It is time for another edition of Finsider Radio. It would usually be the Jake and Josh show, but we're expanding our horizons a little bit here. We're growing a little bit. When we have, in order to move forwards, you have to go backwards. So not only is it Josh and I today, but we have the one and only Matthew Kanata. How you doing today, buddy? Good, guys. Thanks for having me. The the big reason why I wanted you to come on, and you know, this is something I, I don't know if people who listen to this podcast really are annoyed about yet, but I think the wide receiving group that the Miami Dolphins have is a really interesting bunch uh, in terms of the ceiling is so high, but the floor is also so, so low. Um, and you were tweeting about it recently, so I thought it'd be a good time to have you come on. Uh, before we jump into this, really, I'm going to say wide receiver hype with the concerns sprinkled in uh be sure to hit that subscribe button give us a review leave the, that five-star review it helps us so so much how's your little quiet before we get it i want to make sure you're alive how you doing yeah i'm alive i'm just listening to you two talk and it's uh, a wonderful <laughs> thing i'm, I'm glad is it, i can come is back it, is, it, is it soothing to your ears how's not really but and now okay. that you can you say quarterback once can you get us started on Quarter, the right foot Qua- quarterback quarterback <laughs> you're almost there uh, almost come made. on man they're not teaching you how to pronounce quarterback over there pro football network Quar- but quarterback we're happy Some to have you changed. on we're going to continue to talk about wide receivers like we have all off season long and uh <laughs> hopefully we have football sooner than later because uh it's getting a little bit repetitive around here <laughs> yeah and that too matt i mean you're you're off doing big things how's mess mentioned it excuse me uh pfn is there anything you want to plug before we dive in to get that uh, out of your system instead of you know sprinkling it in every three seconds when you try to talk <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, take I'll, the next I'll 45 still... minutes like go ahead and um, tell us everything you're doing <laughs> I'll still sprinkle it in for sure. But yeah, profootballnetwork.com, as you all know, uh, previously me and Howitz and Sutton were the three co-hosts here at Finsider Radio. And Jake Mendel has graciously taken our spot and has taken this podcast to new heights with Houts. But um, you, know, you can find us I'm at profootball. What was that? It's just because I'm taller than you. It has nothing to do with performance. You are taller. Yeah, you are pretty <laughs> tall. Yeah. Um, anyways, I'm at profootballnetwork.com. I am on the site with um, a bunch of other guys and Houts is a part of it. And uh, House is getting involved in our video content over there. There's some fantasy work. So we have some really big things coming up. We just recently launched our Dolphins Vertical on Pro Football Network. You can find that at profootballnetwork.com slash dolphins. You can find us on Twitter at DolphinsPFN and the main account at PFN365. Lots of great content coming your way each and every day. You don't want to miss it. So please follow us there and meet myself on Twitter at PFN. I have somehow lost over 100 followers since the start of the NFL draft. Uh, since the end of the NFL draft, I have no idea what's going on. I don't even tweet anymore, and people just unfollow me every single day. So throw me a follow, boost that count back up, and I'll be forever grateful for all of your support. The great thing story. about Matt is we know there's a you know a banner on his uh, bathroom or bedroom wall that not only has that entire plug, but it has his follower follower count that he changes every day as he's losing these. <laughs> I, and there's I a little a tear. <laughs> yeah, there's, 
I, I count my followers in teardrops. <laughs> I, I got nothing to say to that. That was that was a great plug. That was amazing. I think you even plugged me in there. So thank you. Talk about a professional. Talk about a true true professional. But gentlemen, I think it's safe to say wide receiver definitely isn't a weakness for the Miami Dolphins because when you look at them when they went into the draft when they went into free agency they could have done so many different things uh but when the dust finally settled and the Dolphins really did nothing at wide receiver nobody was upset you know nobody was really you know this was something that needed to be addressed but but I don't think I'd necessarily call it a strength if that kind of is a it's it's a weird situation to be in um and when you kind of look at this group um before I'm going to preface this by saying all these are possibilities. It's not what I think is going to happen, and we'll get into these uh, by each person. But after the season, Preston Williams, Alan Hearns, Jakeem Grant, those guys can all be cut for just about nothing. So the sense here is that this group, you know, if they underperform, it could look completely, completely different next year outside of Devontae Parker. And something I want to start with you guys is, is for us to really understand what this group is doing, I think we need to start about why, you know. The how comes from the why. And the Dolphins threw the ball, had the second highest pass percentage in the NFL last season, throwing the ball 66% of the time. Uh, Falcons were right beneath them at 64%, and Ravens were the lowest at 44%, only team to run the ball more than 50% of the time. And and gentlemen, as we look at this 2020 team, I think we should start there. Uh, the hope is, I mean, I think I remember there were a bunch of games where Kalen Balazs still got plenty of carries. But the oh, hope geez. is that the Dolphins aren't going to be from behind uh, to the extent where they have to completely abandon the run. And that's where this number really gets skewed. Is, is that kind of safe to agree on here, that the, the performance really starts with them trailing by 14 right out of the gates, which seemed to happen more often than not in 2019? Absolutely. That played a huge factor. And, you know, it wasn't easy to run the football with that terrible offensive line. One thing I want to jump into real quick before we even get into any of this, and I know, Matt, you can touch on it a bit, but... The Dolphins apparently had interest in a wide receiver, and they were targeting him in the first round. Brandon Ayuk, I didn't think he went to the San Francisco 49ers. He was on the yeah. Dolphins' radar, according to Pro Football Network. Both Kanata and Tony Pauline can talk a little bit about that. But, uh, I mean, that says a lot to me about how not only they viewed Ayuk and then how they viewed this wide receiver core because eventually they're going to – I still believe next season that draft class is going to be all these skill positions, whether they get a running back, wide receiver. You know, they're just going to build the offense like crazy. But Kanata, tell us a little bit about the Dolphins' interest in Ayuk and how close they truly were to making that a reality. Yeah, so um, we reported out at Pro Football. Actually, Simon Clancy, got to give him a props for this. Simon Clancy at 3 yards per carry was one of the first ones on on Twitter to say this, that the Dolphins were tag targeting Brandon Ayuk with their 26th overall pick in the first round of the 2020 NFL draft. And I had a saw that on Twitter and I said, huh, that's, that's interesting because I had not heard that at the time. I had heard that they were looking really hard at Cesar Ruiz. They were also looking at Isaiah Wilson in the later half of round one. They were also looking at DeAndre Swift as well, who I know they were targeting. Um, but things kind of just got out of order with their selection of Noah Igbigany and uh, the cornerback run, the unexpected cornerback run in that part of the round. But going back to Brandon Ayuk, right? So I was able to confirm with a, a separate source, actually the same guy who gave me the tip on Brian Flores being named the head coach. And, and he said, yes, it's true. The Dolphins were targeting Brandon Ayuk. So that's very interesting. And that would have been very interesting for us over at ProFootballNetwork.com too, because during the NFL draft, we had a live blog going. And we, part of our live blog coverage because we were supposed to have the party in Vegas, the draft party in Vegas with Max Crosby of the Raiders and Preston Williams of the Dolphins, who you all know, obviously, um, 
they just they agreed to do video conferencing with us during the draft as their teams made their selections. So we had Preston Williams for all three of the Dolphins picks. So had that happened, that would have been a very interesting reaction from him uh, to see what that would have been like. But that never came that opportunity for the Dolphins to draft Ayuk because the 49ers jumped up from the end of the round to get ahead of the Dolphins at 25 and select him. So for me, that's very interesting and very telling because it shows that the Dolphins are not totally sold on their wide receiver group, which they should not be um, because this wide receiver group is a huge, huge boomer bust factor. And there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of ifs in there. I mean, when you look at Devontae Parker and Preston Williams, and I know we'll get into this in just a little bit and really break down their game and Albert Wilson, those guys have huge play potential. They have a lot of hope and a lot of promise but none of them have really put it all together yet for a full season. So we'll get to that in a little bit, but yes, I thought that was very telling and very interesting. The dolphins were looking at wide receiver there and every 2021 mock that's coming out right now has a dolphin selecting a wide receiver in the very first part of round one. It's all either a wide receiver or defensive end. I think we can all agree. Those are like the two, but, but the, the, the one thing I kind of disagree with you here, Matt, is the sense that, you know, they see that urgency because I think there's kind of a difference from liking a guy so much where you take him in the first round and not addressing the uh, situation whatsoever. You know what I mean? Now, if they, you know, like this guy in the first round and ended up, you know, quote unquote, settling for a guy in the third or fourth round, I'd say, all right, they're a little more concerned. But I think that meant more about how much they liked uh, that specific player as compared to overall their in, in, entire core. It's kind of like the Noah Igbenogany pick, you know, you don't take him and, and decide, all right, you know, we really need that pick in our secondary. We just really like this player. So so I think, you know, they, they, they do have a little bit of faith in this receiving court uh, by not going and signing someone else. But it is really interesting that they did like a guy in the first round and thought that was a worthy pick. But I think what we can agree on here is, is Greer, Flores, all these guys really are, are wrapping, you know, their heads around something the Dolphins haven't been able to do for quite a long time. And that's really established depth and not settling on a position that, hey, we have so-and-so, we have a uh, X, Y, and Z players, let's go get, you know, uh, A2 or something. Let's keep that, you know, system going where we're producing guys. Uh, Moving back to what the Dolphins were doing last year, um, on average, they spent, you know, 33 minutes per game trailing, which was fifth worst in the league. Uh, Their time of possession per game was 28 minutes, and you have to think, too, you know, a big thing of that, you throw the ball, it goes incomplete, the clock stops you know and and when you're running the ball that clock keeps moving your time of possession goes up and these things are just important when you're really putting into perspective what these receivers do and this is going to be a lot about Devonte parker when you kind of think about these things um something i'm going to use a lot is something called a yolo ball and you only live once so it's just kind of hucking it up there and really just going with the flow right um Basically, playing from behind with less time equals you throw the ball a lot. Ryan Fitzpatrick completed 15 passes on third down last season with at least 10 yards to gain. I see that as a YOLO ball. I mean, if you guys if you guys have something that, that you, hey, Jake, you're totally out in right field of this, you know, bat, slap me over the head or something. But when you're on third and a 10, I think you're going to be a little more risky. You're more likely to kind of just huck it up right? You're kind of going to take those chances downfield. And what we're going to kind of talk about here is how Devontae Parker really, really benefited from those balls. I mean, he was 14th in the league in targets, uh, tied for 20th in receptions, but then you go to receiving yards, 1,202 is fourth, receiving touchdowns, nine, tied for three, tied for third, (laughs) excuse me, and only five jobs. In the sense he benefited from the YOLO balls, 
400 receiving yards on contested catches, according to PFF. Um, now, when you look at an offense, and, and Matt, I'll start with you, say, you know, it's third and five compared to third and ten. You're not just hucking it downfield hoping your wide receiver can make a play. There's probably a play in your system where you're trying to get someone open for seven to eight yards when you're getting, trying to look for those five yards compared to just, you know, going for the 15-20 because, you know, worst case, you punt. It, it, is, is that kind of fair? I mean, I guess, but you also have to look at Ryan Fitzpatrick's style, right? He has always been the guy For sure. who kind of just gives his wide receivers a chance to make a play on his tight ends. And when you have a guy like Devontae Parker, when you look at Devontae Parker's root tree throughout the 2019 season, a lot of them were, were, were go roots, right? Mm-hmm. And a few of them were slants. And there were there was not a whole lot of refined root running within all of his roots that he was running. The problem is this with Devontae Parker. At Pro Football Network, we have something called the Offensive Share Metric. He received in 2019 an OSM grade of 28.03, which ranked 84th out of 93 qualifying wide receivers. Now, OSM kind of talks about the um, the individual's uh, production in an offense. So it's not, you know, it doesn't mean that Parker was one of the NFL's worst wide receivers. His grade just indicates that he was highly inefficient while producing impressive numbers right so he caught only 56.3 percent of his passes this was only better than 19 other wide receivers to put how poor that ranking is into perspective remember that 93 other wide receivers in total qualified for a grade so parker's catch percentage was well below the medium and then there was a massive difference between parker and a guy we all know who he got to beef with with michael thomas on twitter and who had the highest percentage at that position so Thomas, on, on one hand, he caught 80.5% of his targets. Compare that to Devontae Parker, 56.3. But my point is this. Parker has failed consistently throughout his career to create separation from defenders, which is why there may be so many jump balls when it comes to Devontae Parker. So at the time that his quarterback's passes reached him, Whoever was in the under center last year, whether it was Fitzpatrick or Rosen, the nearest defender to Devontae Parker was an average of 2.1 yards away. This was tied for the third lowest distance in the NFL. Simply put, Devontae Parker did a terrible job of getting open, which is obviously something very important to wide receiver success. So you could look at that. You could say Fitzpatrick is one of those YOLO guys, right, who just throws the ball up and let his guys make a play. But you could also, in the same breath, look at Devontae Parker's inability to create separation from defenders, and which is could be a very telling reason why the balls that come his way are jump balls. So sorry but, that was so long winded, but oh no, and like that's the key here because I mean when you, when you think about these players and what they're going to try to do, and this isn't just a conversation about the Dolphins. I mean, if you're a fantasy you know player or something like that, these are things you want to kind of keep in mind in the back of your head. Because those are the little facts, you know, that kind of put you in a different perspective compared to seeing, you know, the nine receiving touchdowns. And, and Matt, I, I think that's interesting because I think – I don't know if I completely agree with that. I, I will say I don't expect Parker to do this this exact thing again for a combination of reasons, including time of possession. But, I mean, he had the most catches downfield. 20 yards down the field without dropping a pass. So let's, let's, for instance, say, you know, 
Albert Wilson can't, you know, 1v1 uh, really beat someone for a jump ball. And that's kind of his, you know, struggle. Does it make him, you know, a poor wide receiver or, you know, subpar or concerned? No, because, you know, he beats people in other ways. However, the the thing that blew me away is just the consistency, the 400 yards uncontested uh, catches for him and, and, you know, tied for first with the no drop passes on 20 yards downfield. It, it makes you wonder, is the separation really the, the end-all be-all for someone like him when he isn't dropping balls, when he is, you know, catching these? I don't I don't expect him to, you know, catch everything downfield of 20 yards or more anymore. I mean, I really don't expect that to happen. Um, I did see there was somewhere he'd go up for a jump ball and the ways the fender went, he went for the ball and he didn't go for him. He could walk right into the end zone for a touchdown. I remember that's how he really got going in that Eagles game where he really took over and proved where I think he could be a clear number one wide receiver. But but Josh, what what's the sense here of, I mean, I, I think consistency is what we're really looking for in Parker. And I don't think the way he was used in 2019, especially with this... Uh, downfield assault he really thrived in is the way for him to get those numbers back to where they were this season. Yeah, I agree with a little bit of both of what you guys are saying. And I do think this is something where in order for the Dolphins wide receiver corps to truly be what we expect it to be, Devontae Parker has to go out there and do something that he has yet to do. And that is, you know, put pile these game, these seasons back to back and go out there and prove that he can be that number one wide receiver. And when you say number one wide receiver, you know, some people think, okay, that's where he is on the depth chart. To me, that means that he is this dominant force that you turn to when plays break down or when you see that mm-hmm. single coverage, like you said, you talked about the YOLO balls and Matt made a great point. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's career has been based off these YOLO balls. But if you see Devontae Parker one-on-one in coverage with, you know, any cornerback in the NFL, you're going to give him a chance to go up there and get that. He's six foot three, 200 plus pounds. I mean, I'm looking at um, Matt Harmon of Fantasy Footballers reception by perception chart, and he has the success rate for uh, Devontae Parker on nine routes, the streak, 63.8%. And that is, yeah, that is, that is, it's green. You know, that's well above the average. He has the flat at 80%. So, uh, you know, an, an out route, and then he has a screen at 100%. So those are, those are some of the routes that Devontae Parker truly thrived at. But, Again, I think that when you look at him when he was drafted, you know, the Dolphins expected him to be this dominant force on the outside. And we see what Matt said with those, uh, you know, he's only got, what, two two yards separation. I look at that Stephon Gilmore game where he pretty much turned him inside out and put him into a washing machine. I mean, uh, Stephon Gilmore's running down the field, and Devontae Parker brought that route right back and, and caught the ball and then bullied his way through Stephon Gilmore. I think, uh, you know, what we saw at the beginning of the season from the Dolphins offense as a whole was they kind of sputtered and it took them time to truly develop. And you look at the way he took on those last few games. You know, you mentioned Philadelphia. He was a dominant force. He took that game over. And that's what you expect from a Devontae Parker. Again, to me, the biggest thing is, can he do it and be consistent? But from what I saw last year, Devontae Parker, you know, you sit here and you look at the NFL and you can sit here and name off the Michael Thomases, the DeAndre Hopkins, you know, all, all these elite wide receivers. I don't think Devontae Parker's in that same class right now. And some Dolphin fans do. I mean, you saw it on Twitter. People were saying he's better than Michael Thomas. No way in hell is Devontae Parker <laughs> better than Michael Thomas after one season. But does he have the potential if he goes out there and strings two, three seasons together and continues to develop on what he already has shown? Maybe so. So for me, I think 
like like we said and like we will touch on, the entire wide receiver corpse being a strength is going to come down to Devontae Parker. If Devontae Parker goes down, can Preston Williams step into that role? He is similar, you know, he is he a similar style of play. He can go up there and make those same can uh, you know, those one on one in one on one coverage, go up there, sky up there, high point the football, make those plays. But is he that dominant force like Devontae Parker? I don't know that he is after that half a season we saw. So for me, the entire twenty twenty season offensively in that passing game is going to come down to whether or not Devontae Parker can replicate that. And some people have already anointed him as this savior, as this number one wide receiver that has completely, you know, uh, transformed the way this receiving corp is. I don't think it has become that. And I don't think that we can sit here and assume that that's going to be the Devontae Parker that we see what we saw last season, because we have plenty of tape and, and the years have gone by that we know that Devontae Parker was just so, so, you know, he, he didn't eat right. He went out there and he was getting hurt on these simple plays. I think it was, it was two, three years ago. I remember he turned, he didn't turn up field to get the first down. He, he ran, uh, he, he ran horizontally and he ended up hurting himself and he was out for a couple games. I mean, we have to see it consistently from Devonte Parker, but does he have the skill set to be that elite dominant wide receiver? Absolutely. Matt, I, I have one more Parker stat that that's going to really help us segue into Preston Williams. If there's anything else you got, um, uh, I mean, not, now's the time. No, I think Houts hit the nail on the head. I, I will say that this about Devontae Parker. His second half of the season was dramatically different than the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. When you look at weeks, let's just take weeks um, one through eight, right? I know that bye week was sprinkled in there. But when you look at his OSM grade, you know, weeks one through eight, and, and you put it all together and average it out, you are getting that was one, two, three, four, five games, and an OSM grade of a low 22.88. When you then take weeks nine through weeks 10, right, and you combine all that together and you look at all that data that through next-gen stats and the hard black and white stuff, no judgments. There's a no-judgment zone here at PFN, like Planet Fitness. One, two, three, <laughs> four, five, six, seven, eight. We do not get paid by Planet Fitness, by the way. His grade jumped up six points to 28.80, which is much more respectable. And then you can see kind of his rankings. Like in week 11, he was wide receiver 10 um, in terms of OSM. In week 12, he was wide receiver 25 out of like 90-ish. In week 13, he was 35. You know, And then he kind of fell into a little plateau there. The week 17, he finished wide receiver 25. His overall rank was wide receiver 84, mainly due to that really bad first half of the season. He was wide receiver 63 in week one, wide receiver 66 in week two. But you could see the improvement. So you look at that and you hope that he can uh, continue to do that. But I'm very, very cautious with it because of the fact that he has never in his career really shown true separation from a defender. And we don't know what Tua's playing style is going to be like in the NFL. We know what it was like in college, but we don't know how that's going to translate to the NFL. And we know that he likes to hit those quick hit slants and quick hit targets. Um, Devontae's not made for that. You know, he's that guy, which we talked about to go up and get it. Uh, kind of guy and win at the point. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see how he transitions along with Tua. I mean, as Dolphins fans, we all have to hope that he does make that successful transition. So, and, and, you know, you, you set up a segue for my segue because, you know, I think the biggest reason why Parker might not have the repeat performance, I don't really think it has anything to do with his skill set, maybe the team around him. Uh, not only the, the Tua factor, but he was one of the best wide receivers in the NFL from week nine on in 2019. His rankings among wide receivers in that time, first in yards, tied for first in touchdowns, fifth in yards per route, 
and six in yards per route run ran. Excuse me. And you know what happened in week nine? Do we have any guesses here? Preston Williams got hurt. Mm-hmm. And House, you mentioned it earlier. That offense looked really funky early in the season. Of course, you're going to look funky when you're down 21 to nothing in the Ravens in the first four minutes of the game. But he led all rookies with targets 59 in weeks one through nine. Is that going to make your offense look a little wonky? I I surely think so. And and I didn't really, I I think they were trying to, at the time I felt like they were force feeding Williams to kind of see what he had, see how much he can handle, see what he can do. But I mean, it did not look like a clean offense when, when Williams was being force fed quite this much Um, started in seven games, played in eight, finished with 32 receptions on 60 targets, three first downs, including six red zone receptions. That's kind of the thing. You know, especially late in the season, we saw Jacecki and Parker look like red zone targets, but that was really Williams early in the season. They really wanted to see what this guy could do. And if Williams is healthy, and again, this is his second year, we really can't come in and think he has these high standards because it's he's recovering from an injury. These are all things we really need to worry about and think about when we kind of put together this receiving core. Um, you know, we wanted to bounce back and be the guy who looked awesome at times, who looked like he could be the Devontae Parker on the other side, the Brandon Marshall to the Eric Decker and the Chan Gailey offense. You know what I mean? But but there there's the concerns there. He only caught 53% of his passes and had five drops or an 8.3 drop percent rate. That was 13th in the league. Uh, he suffered that ACL injury in week nine, and he's currently working his way back, and the Dolphins are hopeful he's ready for the opener. Um I say quote unquote ready because we can I think we can all agree that Albert Wilson came back when he was quote unquote ready, but he wasn't really ready ready until week fourteen. So Preston Williams, I, I wanna see this dynamic really work together for a season because it can't be feast on one side and famine on the other like this was for those nine weeks. I mean, we talk about how Parker blew up when Williams wasn't on the field. It was more of Williams isn't there. I'm going to throw these yellow balls up to, you know, Devontae Parker on third and 10 and things like that. But we, the, the, it's up to Chan Gailey to really find a way for these guys to balance the workload. And if there's a balanced workload for a season, there has to be a bit of a concern if Parker's going to have those high of numbers moving again this season. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think the first thing I got to throw out there is we gave uh, Simon Clancy props on that IUK story and, you know, bringing that out to the light. I got to give CK Parrot props on Preston Williams because he was a guy that told me immediately, you know, this guy has the potential to be a stud wide receiver. Some people even said this guy could be a first round talent if it wasn't for his off the field issues. I think you made a great point, Jake, in saying that the biggest thing between both Parker and Williams was they they need to get better at, you know, securing the football. I mean, we saw Preston Williams drop that touchdown against, uh, I think it was New England where Rosen hit him right in the hands. He could have walked into the end zone, drop ball. I mean, there's countless you can go back and watch the film. There's countless tape on Preston Williams on the opportunities they left behind. But twofold, I mean, you have to wonder just how how spectacular of a wide receiver he could potentially be. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick went out there, and he targeted this undrafted free agent like he was, you know, a first-round talent. I mean, he had confidence that Preston Williams, if he was in, you know, one-on-one coverage, you know, wherever he was at, at on the field, that he could get him the football and he could make a play. I brought up Matt Harmon's uh, perception from reception, uh, reception perception list with Parker earlier. I'm going to bring it up again here with Preston Williams. His success rate was 72.2% running the post and a hundred percent at the flat. So those were his two most successful routes that post route. I mean, that's the kind of route that we see to uh, have a lot of success with, 
But to me, again, it's consistency, and I continue to bring this up, and I'm going to bring it up every time we talk about Preston Williams. Before that injury, he was on pace to have a better rookie season than Jerry frickin' Rice. I know the two are completely separate. I know that Preston Williams is not going to be Jerry Rice, but he was on pace to have more yards than Jerry Rice did his rookie season. So I think Jake's absolutely right. Chan Gailey needs to figure out a way to to get these two guys involved. You got one that's six foot three. You got Preston Williams at six foot five, and that's not even counting Mike Jasicki, who's six foot six. I mean, what what defensive back, uh, what secondary in the NFL is going to be able to counter that size? I, I just don't understand how they can't go out there and you know uh, you know feast on opposing defenses. But again, time will tell, and I think we're all getting a little too excited about the potential of Preston Williams opposite of Parker. We got to remember he's still not fully healthy, and we know why that is. And I'm gonna go on. A, I'm gonna. I'll try not to get upset, but there's no reason why Preston Williams should be re- returning punts in the NFL. You know, when you have Jakeem Grant on the roster, there's no reason in hell why Preston Williams should be returning kicks. So, uh, I think that ACL injury could have been avoided. Uh, it's a shame that it happened, and we just got to hope that he gets back and he's fully recovered. I think he was out there. Yesterday, I think I saw on Instagram, he was out there with the route king. You know, he was out there running routes and, and catching football. So it does seem like Preston Williams is on the right track. But to have him healthy and opposite Devontae Parker, we saw the way defenses I, – I just don't know how defenses can plan for that. So I'm excited to see what Preston Williams can do. But just like Parker, we need to see consistency. And he's get better at catching those, securing the football. And we got to see how he operates in a Chan Gailey offense because it's completely different – uh, this guy was a rookie last year. He, he seemed to develop well under, you know, an offense that many people believe it was difficult to learn with Chad O'Shea. You know, that's the reason he's gone. So we'll see what Preston Williams can do. But I think the sky's the limit. 23 years old, undrafted free agent. The Dolphins continue to hit on these acorns. Let's just see what he can do. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down, we break down who will be cutting, cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Matt, what are your thoughts on Preston, especially when you kind of try to put together that, that chemistry of, you know, you can't just kind of telegraph, hey, you know, Williams is going to be the guy for nine weeks, and then, you know, Parker is going to be the guy the rest of the season. I, I feel like that's not how you can establish an offense, and I don't think it's ha- healthy for either of the players. I, I like Preston Williams. I think he has a bright future, and remember, he was, should have been a high pick in the NFL draft. I don't know about first round, but definitely, you know, within the first uh, two days of the NFL draft, but an unfortunate domestic violence incident, I believe, that um, was later cleared or whatever, kind of took him off many draft boards and obviously some concerns about that. But we all saw he was having a very promising season until he got hurt um, about halfway through the year. 
And when you look at his OSM grade, um, you know, you look at, he was probably right in the middle of the pack, a little more, a little above that. Week four, he was wide receiver 32 out of about 90. Week two, he was wide receiver 24. But we saw that kind of drop in production when Josh Rosen was in there, and then Ryan Fitzpatrick started coming right back to him. Preston has a very promising future in Miami, but again, he's a UDFA. He got injured his first year, showed some promise, but just like every other wide receiver on this on this roster, they all need to show that they can continue their momentum, they can continue their progress. Otherwise, this wide receiver group, if none of them continue their progress or if none of them um, continue to improve and they all regress, it's going to be a very, very tough-looking wide receiver group in 2020. Yeah, and I, and I think that's kind of the, the key here is the uncertainty, the lack of consistency that we really haven't seen out of this group, and, and that, that remains true moving on to Albert Wilson. Um, I found this web, website. I, I don't know how true it is, but I'm just going to use it for the sake of um, the conversation here. It's sportsinjurypredictor.com. If, if that doesn't really tell you what it's about, go look it up. Uh, it said Albert Wilson has a 53% chance of being injured in 2020 and projects games missed at 1.7. Now, I wouldn't put too much stock in these because I did it for Jakeem Grant, and they said there was a 0% chance Jakeem Grant would get injured, and it's football. Everybody gets injured, so I'm going to kind of take that for what it is. 0% but chance. It's funny. Literally impossible. <laughs> Uh, so September 8th, 2019, he had that leg calf strain, uh, against the Ravens and he was inactive for three games, but I think we can agree as I'm going to kind of touch on in a minute, he really didn't look like himself, um, until late in the season, he started to have some strong runs against the Philadelphia Eagles. And then he really looked like himself the last three weeks of the season where he was averaging over 10 yards a catch. Um, but the, the big injury that I think we're all fearful for fearful of for just the way he plays, the way he uses his agility, was the October 21st, 2018 uh, hit tear. And, you know, they call it, quote-unquote, small, but, I mean, it seems like a very serious injury. 2018 was the least amount of games he's played in his career, and he's only played uh, 16 games once in his career uh, as a 28-year-old. Uh, 2019, as we mentioned, he missed the three games. Um, weeks 15 through 17, uh, you know, 11.5 yards per reception. Nothing above 8.7, except for the uh, Bills in Week 7. One catch for 22 yards. I really don't think that counts. Um, Josh, when you kind of look at someone like this and you put into consideration um, the restructured co- restructured contract where he's going from uh, 2020 salary cap hit of $10 million down to $3 million with $1 million incentives, what does that kind of say about uh, not only the team's expectations but you know his spot on this team? Yeah, and I think you said it best here. It, it, it really is a prove-it year for, for Albert Wilson, and I think we can all recall how – I don't want to say dominant because he wasn't dominant, but just how explosive he looked in, in that season before he got injured. I mean, he was he was this – it's hard to even say. I mean, He was the winning guy, games by Yeah, and every time he touched a football, something awesome happened. And, I mean, when he came over here from Kansas City, let's be honest, people had to look him up and try to see how he fit in that offense because he wasn't that name that you knew. But once he came to Miami, I mean, he he was throwing touchdown passes to Jakeem Grant. You know, he completely dis- dismantled the Chicago Bears in that game. I mean, I just can't and, – and maybe I'm not the right person to talk about Albert Wilson because I am so high on him and just cannot overlook just how 
awesome he was. He was he, he looked like a, a human video game. You know, you hear about these players that go out there and they can make defenders miss and they're explosive and every time they touch a football, you know, great things happen. He reminded you of that video game type wide receiver where if you get the ball in his hand, you know, something's going to happen. So I, I do think that this is absolutely a prove-it year. I think that when you look at him and you look at Jakeem Grant, you see that similar skill set, you know, they're not the biggest players. I mean, Albert Wilson's obviously bigger than Jakeem Grant, but I mean, they're both speedsters, and the entire the entire game plan is to get the ball in their their hands and then watch them do good things. So, I think it is absolutely a proven year, and I'm excited to see you know when Tua is out there. How is he going to? To me, Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant, the most effective thing they can do besides you know catching these screen passes or being used as a gimmick. It's those quick slant passes, you know, where they beat the corner and they get inside and they get the football in their hands. And then the rest is just let them make a player miss. So for me, I'm excited to see when that does happen. I think Albert Wilson is the perfect, you know, I guess he'd be the slot receiver. I know they're working out Gary Jennings in there, and that's something we'll talk about. We still we still have Hearns, and good God, this receiving core has a bunch of people that we still got to go over. But, I mean, I think Albert Wilson, I cannot overlook just how explosive he was. If he can stay healthy, I think he will be worth every bit of that money that the Dolphins restructured him into. And then at that point, they have to decide at 28 years old, is Albert Wilson worth keeping around? They, they said that Al, Alan Hearns was last year, so you can't tell me if Albert Wilson doesn't go out there and look half of what he did before he got hurt a few seasons back, that he won't be worth a contract similar to what Alan Hearns is and not just you know take that spot because to me – I've seen more out of Albert Wilson, and this is no knock against Alan Hearns. You know, maybe it is, but I, if it were up to me, I think I would take Albert Wilson over Jakeem Grant and Alan Hearns, and I'm just going to end out with that. I think, too, um, I think it's safe to say if healthy, you know, everything's if healthy. These are Miami's three starting wide receivers. I think that there's not too, too much room for debate about that one. And, and it's all it's all health with them, right? All three of them. I mean, uh, they don't have the same extent as an Albert Wilson or a Jakeem Grant, but I mean, Preston Williams had an injury his year one. Devontae Parker has been hammered by, hampered by injury throughout his entire career. So a lot of this is what if, if they can stay healthy. And truthfully, I mean, the Adam Gates offense was literally that, that meme where it was literally a picture of Adam Gates poking Wilson with a stick and saying, do something. That That's really how that offense operated under Gates. And, and Matt, I... I I've kind of gone about this with, with a specific perspective, and I, I'd love your take on it. Uh, when the when the Dolphins cut his salary from $10 million to $3 million, this was obviously a two-sided decision. You know, um, Albert Wilson agreed with it. Albert Wilson wanted that contract. And to me, that says he, he had a feeling, and, and maybe the team even presented it to him, that you're still going to be a big part of this offense. We, you know, this is kind of like a prove-it year to you. You know, if you want to get that one last contract going from 28, you know, maybe till you're 32, get that last four years, something like that. Now, am I at a line of saying, you know, there was that conversation had where not only was uh, this a, a good deal for the Dolphins, but a good year for Wilson where he could really show himself as if I'm healthy, I could still do it. I could still get that good contract. Or was it more that, you know, the Dolphins cornered him and, and in the sense of he wasn't going to get even a contract that good elsewhere? W which side would you really feel that you're sitting on there? I love Albert Wilson just like Joshua Houts was getting very excited talking about Albert Wilson because Albert Wilson can put this team in real good position to do big things in 2020. And I feel like Tua Tungavailoa is a quarterback that is tailor-made for Albert Wilson's game. 
So when you look at what the Dolphins did with his contract, they may have been considering cutting him because the salary obviously does not meet his production. And that's really no fault of his own. I mean, we all remember during that game against the Detroit Lions, I believe it was a few years back, it was literally a freak injury because of the way someone tackled him to the ground. And it was a bad injury. It was a severe injury. And there were rumors that it could possibly end his career. So if anyone was really expecting Albert Wilson to come back to form, to true form, at the beginning of last season is out of their minds. We saw him, as the season went on, slowly regain that burst. Now, can he fully regain that burst and consistently regain that burst? According to you know PFN's OSM metric, offensive share metric, which you can find at profootballnetwork.com, Wilson's OSM grade was one of the best in the NFL last season. So, yes, while his injuries and inconsistent play makes it difficult to evaluate how well he played, we can look at this, and he had an overall grade of 37.36, which ranked eighth among all qualifying, qualifying players at the wide receiver position. Now, this is not saying, just like Parker was not saying that he's the worst receiver in the NFL, this is not saying that uh, Albert Wilson is the eighth best receiver in the NFL last season. But it's evaluating, again, how effective and efficient he was within the Miami Dolphins offense. So despite his limited production, he performed exceptionally well, according to the OSM metric. When you look at it further, in 2019, Wilson averaged three and a half yards of distance between himself and the nearest defender when the ball reached him. That number, that's tied for the second highest among qualifying receivers, just 0.1 yards behind the leader. And then another critical factor, which you talked about with Devontae Parker, is the catch percentage. Many wide receivers obviously kind of you know struggle in this area a little bit, but Wilson in 2019 caught 69.35% of his targets, the 10th highest percentage among qualifying wide receivers. So not only is this guy someone who gets open and catches the ball once it's thrown to him, but it's someone who once he has the ball in his hands, he can do very dangerous things. So if he can get that explosion back, he is going to be tailor-made for this offense and he is going to really be able to do big things with Tua Tungabailoa and Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, if he continues this up. Am I? Am I? Um, are you guys with me? It's, let's say everybody on, on the Miami Dolphins in terms of receivers are 100% healthy. Everyone's on the same playing field. Are we have the same confidence level in the sense of um, expectations of Albert Wilson would likely be? You know, we we'd have the highest expectations of him just based on what we know about him, how he plays, and just in terms of consistency. Would you guys probably agree with me there? This wide receiver group has the potential to do a lot of special things if everyone is healthy and on the same playing field. Yeah, what, what Matt said. I mean, I, I think, I mean, I, I love what Albert Wilson can do when he's healthy. I just think the biggest thing is him getting back to what he once was and then remaining healthy because, I mean, we haven't seen it yet in Miami. For sure, for sure. Um, and then moving on, I think this is where the the fight really begins of who's going to make this Miami Dolphins roster, and that starts with Jakeem Grant. Um, it's To kind of put this into perspective, he's also 28 years old. That literally blew my mind that him and Albert Wilson are the same age. I feel like, you know, Wilson kind of established himself in Kansas City and worked his way over here. And, went, and you know, Grant's still a budding young guy with, with expectations, you know, but... 28 years old, not a returner. Um, he played 16 games in his, each of his first two seasons, but has missed six games in each of the last two. Uh, he had the high ankle sprain on November 24th last season. That really just kind of ended his year. Um, 
hasn't uh, scored a touchdown since having two receptions against Oakland in 2018, the high five game. Um, and he has topped only 40 receiving yards in his entire career three times. So for Grant to make this roster, is it Albert Wilson versus Jakeen Grant? I think it is. I don't see how those two, again, I mentioned how they have similarities in their play style. I think it's absolutely between Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant. And, you know, maybe they decide neither of them are in the future plans. But I do think it's going to come down to which one of those explosive playmakers can go out there, remain healthy, and make the most plays in Chan Gailey's offense. And, you know, whichever one may end up seizing that opportunity could be on the Dolphins roster for the next, you know, two, three years. But, again, I, I don't know. I, we're going to talk about Alan Hearns in a little bit. Would you guys rather have Alan Hearns or Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant? You know, which if it comes down to the three of them, I think I'd rather have Albert Wilson or Jakeem Grant than Alan Hearns. But again, it all comes back to their injury history and what they, what have they done for me lately? And uh, it, I'm torn. I, I think this is a very good uh, discussion that we're having on this receiving core. And I think, you know, it's going to humble some people who think that, you know, this is some juggernaut that can be unstoppable it's tough for me. I'm sitting here, I'm battling my inner demons. I don't know the answer, but it's absolutely between Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant to see which one of those guys best fits that role in Changeli's offense. So, Josh, uh, let's just bring Alan Hearns right into this, too. The Dolphins gave him a new two-year contract near the end of last season. Um, and if it was a one-year contract, I'd, I'd be really concerned about his roster's pop. But it, the fact that it's two years... Again, this could be like Wilson's contract where I'm kind of looking into it a bit too much. But I'm a little more confident in uh, Hearns' ability here to make the roster. Um, and some things to go with that. I mean, he did have double-digit touchdowns in 2015. Yes, that was five years ago. And yes, that was probably another YOLO effect, right? Where it was Blake Bortles coming from behind and just gunning it to Hearns, gunning it to Robertson and, and, and Robinson, excuse me, and really just letting it go. Uh, he has not topped 500 yards since then, nor 60 targets. Um, he had 47 with the Dolphins last season with two touchdowns. And another player who I was starting to think actually was really getting healthy, um, and I, I think the conversation might really boil down to a Jakeem Grant against Alan Hearns, and it's important to keep in mind here, both of them can make the roster, but we're kind of focusing on if everyone's healthy, who's getting that playing time? Because both of these guys aren't at the beginning of their career. Odds are, if they don't really get a lot of playing time, they're going to have to try to find another team because I think teams are going to really start to focus on potential compared to, you know, a 29-year-old who you know what their ceiling is, their floor is, and you're going to get somewhere kind of in the middle of there. Instead, you kind of want to look for someone like we'll talk about later, even an Isaiah Ford, a Gary Jennings, a Kurt Merritt, one of these guys who the potential is still through the roof. They're still very young. I mean, that that's my biggest concern with Grant because I think we saw what he's capable of with blowing by receivers, what he can do. Um, I know he's not a kick-punt returner, but just that's Speed, the ability to get away from defenders, the, the ability to high-five his teammates on his way to the end zone. Um, and then we saw against the New England Patriots uh, that, that really physical catch in the end zone on Monday night where he really became kind of a cult classic for the Dolphins, uh, Dolphins fans, too, in the sense of, hey, he can do this stuff. And he's a good wide receiver. You don't make the NFL without being a good wide receiver. But the consistency we've we've only seen three games where he's really shown off as a wide receiver yes these hype videos are great i'm really excited i'm really hopeful of what he's capable of but i mean that there's an i think that's real the big battle uh in terms of being that fourth wide receiver i don't think grant is someone who maybe you only play in the slot like wilson i think you know that that 
Patriot game really showed it. He can compete for a catch. He can really go out there with his body, but he did have some drops last season. There are some things to worry about, and it, like I said, I think it's going to be Hearns versus uh, Grant for those uh, fourth wide receiver targets. Yeah, I think the biggest thing to me is these are two completely different wide receivers. We mentioned Grant and how he's a similar style to an Albert Wilson. And I think a lot of this, you got to kind of take a step back and, you know, take the fandom out of this thing. I mean, we all saw uh, Jakeem Grant. He was on undrafted. You know, you heard about the story of him battling to get into the NFL. Great story. Yeah, and I mean – it's it's you make it makes you want to root for him. You know his nickname is Mighty Mouse. He's this small guy that you know has been counted out his entire life. He was considered what appears to be by Chad O'Shea in the last season the Miami Dolphins as a nothing more than a kick returner or a punt returner. I mean he's going out there and he's trying to do everything he possibly can to prove that he's a wide receiver, to prove that he belongs on the Miami Dolphins, and you got to respect that. And then you look at Alan Hearns, and I mean, this is a guy who, you mentioned it, he had a great year with Blake Bortles in Jacksonville. I mean, Blake Bortles is trash. Alan Hearns <laughs> went out there and made a ton of money based off of what he did with uh, Blake Bortles. It was a four-year deal, $40 million, and the Cowboys brought him in because at the time, the Cowboys did not have anything resembling a wide receiver. I mean, they brought Alan Hearns in, and I might be mistaken here, but I think they believed that he could beat that number one wide receiver. He fits that mold. He's six foot three, and it, it makes you wonder what the Dolphins saw. I mean, he kind of played primarily in the slot. He was... He was another one of those big-bodied wide receivers, except he might be able to run routes a little bit better than a Devontae Parker or a Preston Williams. And you mentioned age with Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson. Alan Hearns is also 28. He just signed that two-year extension, like you said, and isn't really making that much money. So to me, it's it's always about what have you done for me lately. And you got to take a step back and think, you know what? Alan Hearns was this pretty damn good wide receiver in Jacksonville. You know, he was well enough that he went out there and made a ton of money with the Dallas Cowboys. They brought him in to be their number one, if not number two wide receiver. And to me, that speaks volumes. So the Dolphins, Brian Flores, I mean, it's kind of been their MO since he got here. You know, you sign these players, you give them an opportunity to go out there and prove their worth. You know, an Eric Rowe, uh, Ted Karras this year. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, Mark Walton and... I mean, I can sit here and we can discuss the Matt Breedas, the Jordan Howards, you know, whoever it might be. You go out there and you sign these players and they go out there and they prove their worth, prove that they have success, prove that they can be this team player, and you reward them with a contract. They rewarded Alan Hearns with a contract. I don't think any Dolphins fan could sit here and say, you know, I'd rather have Alan Hearns over Jakeem Grant, over an Albert Wilson, based off of what you've seen from them, based off of the relationship or, you know, again, the fandom that you have for those guys. But is Alan Hearns a better wide receiver than Jakeem Grant? Probably. Is he a better wide receiver than Al- Albert Wilson? Maybe so. I mean, it's no. It, I mean, I love Albert Wilson, but I'm sitting here and saying Alan Hearns has done much more in the NFL, right, than Albert Wilson has. Yes. And right. I mean, he kind of again fits that bill of a number one receiver. I mean, it's crazy to me, and it it comes back to just how these guys are viewed by the coaching staff. I mean, Matt, I'm gonna, I'm going to be honest. If if I had to choose between Alan Hearns or Albert Wilson right now, knowing that Albert Wilson could come out next year and and possibly get hurt, and you know be a free agent, I'd probably take Albert Wilson. But Alan Hearns, again, has been productive besides the injuries. And again, it keeps coming back to the injuries. And I didn't mean it to be this way, but all of these receivers that we have mentioned so far have a history of injuries. So all it takes is one or two of these guys to go down. And then what? And then we're on to the next batch. So how do you feel about Alan Hearns, Matt? Let me know. Let me know what you're thinking about Alan Hearns. I'm not, I I like Alan Hearns. I, I do. I, I think what you guys are saying between him and Jakeem Grant is accurate. And I think at the end of the day, if 
the Dolphins had to choose today, they would probably choose Alan Hearns over Jakeem Grant. Remember, Jakeem Grant was not this regime selection, right? Uh, you could say Chris Greer, sure. But Brian Flores did not select Jakeem Grant. Chan Gailey did not select Jakeem Grant. Chad O'Shea did not select Jakeem Grant. Jakeem Grant was selected by Adam Gase to be kind of that guy, that gadget guy in his offense to kind of you know throw the mismatches out there. But Jakeem Grant has not proven that he could do anything really um, consistently in the NFL. Whereas, like you said, Joshua Houts, Alan Hearns has showed, even with you know the, one of the best quarterbacks of all time in Jacksonville, Blake Bortles, he, he can still do big things. And we saw flashes of that with Fitzpatrick last season. You know, Hearns is not a speedster. He's a possession guy. He's, he's going to need time to get open in his roots. And unfortunately, the Dolphins offensive line did not give Ryan Fitzpatrick much time to allow those roots to develop. So I think we could see some improved um, improved passing, I guess. That's the right phrase. I just kind of drew a blank there. But we can see an improvement in Hearns' game coming into the 2020 season. I, I don't know if Jakeem Grant is going to make this roster. And, you know, when we first started this discussion about 17 minutes ago, I think that I was on the fence about Jakeem Grant versus Alan Hearns. But the more that I heard Joshua Houts talk about Alan Hearns and the more I heard him kind of describe and Jacob Mendel talking in our um, planning document about Jakeem Grant and the hype videos and all that. Those are obviously great, but you got to show it on the field, right? And Jakeem Grant has not done a great job of showing how he can consistently do it on the field. And then there's other guys behind there's Isaiah Ford, who, you know, I call the steal of the draft. If he could stay healthy, unfortunately he has not. I know we're going to talk about Kirk Merritt too, which I have some tidbits on as well, but um, you know, this, this bottom half of the Dolphins wide receiver group is going to be very interesting to watch. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the key here because when we do say, you know, one of these guys over the other, and it's not for like a roster spot, because I think we can, we can say that, you know, unless they really cannot go out and play, I think, you know, a Jakeem Grant and Alan Hearns and an Albert Wilson, I mean, there, there's enough room on the roster for all of them. It's the fact that when you're the fifth wide receiver, the sixth wide receiver, the amount of targets, the amount of you're involved in the game plan drastically changes. And if that's happening when you're 28, I mean, the, the it's just a concerning part of, of where you kind of fit in the team's future when you have these young guys who, who, you know, you're keeping them in the roster at the sixth spot who can have one good game. Like we saw, thank you, Matt, for the segue, Isaiah Ford have last year. And man, he's only 24 years old. That blew my mind. I thought he was, I feel like he's been floating around the Dolphins a lot longer than that. Caught one target in 2018, played in eight games in 2019, caught 21 of 29 targets in weeks 14 through 17 and averaged 10 yards per reception. Hearns out, Grant out. He played when nobody else was available. And, you know, he he definitely seemed like he made the most of it. He did sign a one-year extension worth uh, $600,000. I wouldn't say he's a lock for the 53-man uh, roster, but... You know, I decided to kind of go back and, and watch some more of Isaiah Ford just to kind of really help get a little bit more perspective. Excuse me. He, at the age of 18, had over 700 yards at Virginia Tech and was very, very young. Uh, and he's the all-time leader in touchdowns there. Um, he can surprise and become great. But in order to be a surprise, in order to make that upset and become a very great wide receiver the expectations aren't aren't that high and, and I think that's kind of where I'm at with Isaiah Ford he needs to really come out and, and take a job and something I think that adds a little bit of perspective to this in the preseason 
you know, you think about the the guys fighting. You know, I remember watching Hard Knocks and thinking how unfair it is that these wide receivers have guys throwing them the balls who who don't belong in the NFL. You know, they can't hit a single you know target. How can this guy prove he belongs in the NFL if no one's giving him the opportunity? Guys like Elbert, or Isaiah Ford, guys like even Jakeem Grant, guys like Gary Jennings, like we'll talk about, they're gonna have some. They're going to have capable quarterbacks thrown to them, whether it's Tua in the second string early in the year, whether it's Josh Rosen. I don't care if Josh Rosen has a long NFL career. He can get his guys the football. I think Isaiah Ford could be primed to have a great preseason and really solidify and prove to this coaching staff that he belongs. But it's all about him going out there and taking it. I don't think there's going to be another, you know, oh, you know, he's got Brock Osweiler. He's got some, like, cool Chase Daniels throwing him the ball. I mean, I'd take I'd take Josh Rosen throwing me the ball over those guys any day. And I think that's so important for development. I think it's so important to get seen by a coaching staff where you have guys around you who are capable of getting you the ball. And basically, this is what I call Jake watching a little bit of the film. He can thrive in a situation he's put into. Um, we just need to create the situations and let him take advantage of them. And, and that's kind of what it boils down to. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to be honest. Sutton and I did an article for the Finsider many, many years ago, and I think both he and I came away impressed with what Isaiah Ford did at Virginia Tech. I mean, you mentioned it. He needs to go out there and seize this opportunity. He's another guy, six foot two. You know, he's a big body, runs great routes. And I think the biggest thing you got to look at is what he did when he was called upon, when he was given those opportunities. And to me, that biggest game is the Jets game when Preston Williams went down. You know, he came in, he caught six and nine targets for 92 yards, and he went out there and, you know, he moved the chains. He got the Dolphins in position to win that game. We know what happened. It was that phantom pass interference call that, let's be honest, if that didn't happen, the Dolphins probably don't have to a ton of a lower right now. So thank you, God, for that phantom pass interference call. But from there, that point on, I mean, he went out there. Three of five targets against the Giants, five of six against Cincinnati, seven and nine versus the Patriots in the, the end of the year. I mean, Isaiah Ford is a possession wide receiver, and I think that he fits that role of what we were talking about with an Allen Hearns. You know, even an Albert Wilson or Jakeem Grant, I think that Isaiah Ford is the perfect slot wide receiver, and I think that's kind of where he can do his most damage. But you got to look at his career with the Miami Dolphins, and he's been on the practice squad, what, two, maybe even three times by now. I mean, this is a guy that he gets called up, gets called back down. You know, he, he gets called up, go back down. You just want to see him seize that opportunity. And in a loaded wide receiver room with all these veterans, these guys that are 28 years old who have been in the NFL for some years, I mean, it's just a little – he's playing behind, you know, the eight ball, so to speak. He, you know, he doesn't have the same experience or he hasn't had the same tape that some of these other guys have. You just want to see Isaiah Ford go out there, and I do think that at some point Isaiah Ford is going to be a household name in the NFL. He's not going to be this elite wide receiver, but – if he gets cut by the Dolphins and he doesn't somehow land on that practice squad, I mean, see where he ends up, and he, he's a fine number two wide receiver. I think he has all the skills to go out there and do it. I just think he has to bring it all together. I am team Isaiah Ford, and we sit here, and we're going to compare him to an Alan Hearns or Jakeem Grant Albert Wilson. I'd put Isaiah Ford in that in that same category. I think I would love to see Isaiah Ford stick around. And as a Dolphins fan, and maybe it's because, again, Sutton and I, we, we wrote an article in the Finsider. We kind of dove into that tape and the Dolphins picked him up. For me, honestly, I, I would love to see Isaiah Ford stick and get his his a real chance at proving that he has a, a worth in the NFL because I do think he has all the skills. And again, he's 24 years old. When you look at this entire room, that might be 28 or whatnot. So the, the verdict's still out in Isaiah Ford, but as an Isaiah Ford stand, so to speak, 
I am excited to see what he can do in Chan Gailey's offense and excited to see what he can do, you know, when he is at number three wide receiver, when he is at number four wide receiver, when he gets those opportunities, because once he was finally thrown into the lineup against New York Jets, he went out there, continued to move the chains. And honestly, he looked like the best wide receiver on the field at that time. So it's it's crazy to sit here and say that Isaiah Ford, you know, is guaranteed a roster spot because he's absolutely not. But if it were up to me, I, I would look at an Isaiah Ford, and I might keep him around more than I would a Jakeem Grant, despite all of that explosiveness that you get from Jakeem Grant, because I think Isaiah Ford is all little things. And I think what what I, is important here is he's taking advantage of the opportunities given to him, but I think the the way he establishes himself, I mean, he, he's really got to create his own opportunity. I think he's really got to have those couple of plays where, you know, you turn that first down into a 30-yard gain. Um I think what the Dolphins really need, and, you know, Parker showed it a little bit, but a lot of it was just kind of hucking it up and hoping for the best. And, yes, he came down with it more times than not, and it, it's incredible. But but this team truly needs that guy who, you know, on third down, and, and just a little side note here, I think it's a little disservice that we're not talking about Jaseki, but, I mean, we have seven, eight wide receivers to talk about, so I guess that doesn't matter too, too much. But we need someone who everybody has, everybody in the world and their mother all know that the Dolphins are going to play or why. It's third and seven. We know they're throwing it to this guy. The entire defense knows it. The entire, you know, stadium knows it. And they still complete it. That is what the Dolphins need. Could it be Parker? Possibly. I mean, if he shows it consistently, I think Isaiah Ford can be that guy. You know, Jarvis Landry was that guy. That guy, you know, the entire world knows, cover this guy, it's going to go to him, and you still can't beat him. That is how you really create an opportunity, and I think, like you said, Ford has that skill set. Matt, you got anything else before we move on to Gary Jennings? You guys said it all on Isaiah Ford. I love the guy, but he needs to stay healthy. Uh, On June 26th, Barry Jackson, Miami Herald reported that Gary Jennings will compete with Alan Hearns and Isaiah Ford for the fifth and sixth receiver jobs. That makes it sound like Jakeem Grant kind of has that fourth wide receiver job locked up. Again, that's something I think I'd be pretty content with if he's healthy. It's all about if he can get those targets and and, and really make something out of them. Uh, he was claimed off the Dolphins after uh, Jennings. That is claimed off the Dolphins, claimed by the Dolphins on waivers uh, after the Seahawks let him go. He was a fourth-round pick uh, of the 2019 draft. And then he came to the Dolphins, and he's looking like a slot-wide receiver. Uh, he had opportunities, right? The Dolphins suffered injuries. He should have really had his chance to you know, make a statement. But he injured his shoulder while celebrating Jakeem Grant's kick-return touchdown during the Dolphins' loss to the Bills. Oof. I... Bottom line, I'm not sure if he can make the team with both Wilson and Ford uh, being healthy or doing what they can to secure roster spots. I, I just don't know how you can keep someone like Jennings along with Wilson and Ford. I, I feel like that's not really divi- diversifying your assets. Look at a guy like um, Gary Jennings, and I know he's shown some promise in, in practices and such, but you're absolutely right, uh, Jacob Mendel, that. You have a guy like Jakeem Brand, uh, mid-round draft pick. You have a guy like Hearns who they just get the contract to. You have a guy like Wilson who can, you know, barring any injury in training camp, he's going to be making the team. So Gary Jennings is fighting an uphill battle from here. Yeah, I think the biggest thing here is you just got to kind of go back and watch what he did in college. And I think kind of the reason I liked Will Greer so much or thought that he could maybe potentially do something in the NFL is because of, the connection that he had with Gary Jennings. I think you all remember that Texas game where he just kept targeting him and 
Jennings looked explosive, and the biggest thing that stood out to me is that Tua Tagovailoa since he moved to South Florida, you know, he hasn't worked out with Devontae Parker. He hasn't worked out with a Preston Williams or an Albert Wilson. He's been working out with Gary Jennings. So how much does that play in his favor? Again, it's it's more of a how the coaches view Gary Jennings because if he can't celebrate a touchdown without getting hurt, I mean, what can he do on the field? But this was a guy that was drafted in the fourth round, a guy that, you know, has shown that he has the potential to be a dominant slot wide receiver, at least in the col- at the college level. It's it's one of those things which what has he shown to the, the coaching staff? And then I'm just going to throw it out there. I mean, if he's developed this, you know, rapport with um, Tua Tungvalu in the offseason, I mean, if Tua comes in there to the starting lineup, Gary Jennings is still in the roster. I mean, how much does Tua target a Gary Jennings, who he has trust with, who he's built this, you know, this relationship with in the offseason? So <laughs> it's it's really going to come down. And I think, you know, we're sitting here and we're talking about this receiving core. And I think Matt at some point is going to tell us why we shouldn't. Uh, you know, be excited or at least think big things of this group. But every single receiver we continue to talk about, I mean, the verdict's still out on them. And they've shown, at least at the collegiate level or in the NFL, that they have the potential to be a very good wide receiver. So, I mean, I started out this offseason thinking that wide receiver was a strong point of the Dolphins. I haven't gotten an argument last year because someone said the Dolphins, you know, had a bottom five receiving core. Whatever it might be, I, I was right with that. The Dolphins do not have a bottom five receiving core. But I think a lot of people think they're a lot better than they are. And I was one of those included. Jake kind of humbled me. But now we're going through this list, and I'm, I'm kind of getting excited again. So I need to know first what Matt knows about Kirk Merritt. And then I need to know why this receiving core isn't a strong point on that uh, Dolphins offense. Because going down this list, yes, they're young. Yes, they have injury concerns. Yes, they got to go out there and show some consistency, but you can make a case for just about every one of these guys being on that 53 or whatever it's up to now. I can't I can't keep track with the COVID-19 and what they're going to eventually do with those rosters, how many players they can keep on that. But, I mean, you can make a case that every single one of these guys deserves a chance on that, in that opening day roster. You know, uh, I, I want to get to Kurt Merritt. I do. I, I'm actually really excited to talk about him. But... The way I can describe this Miami Dolphins receiving core is, yes, the potential's there, but until something's kind of gained out of that potential, it's nothing, right? It, it's hopes and dreams. The, the the Miami Dolphins receiving core is in the hunt right now. The Dolphins spend every year hunting for the playoffs. But what what happens when you're hunting for the playoffs when you're the Miami Dolphins? You lose three games straight. Geno Smith trucks Danell Ellerby into the end zone and you see the Jets ruin your playoff hopes. The potential is fantastic. I'm excited for it. But when you're 28 and we're still talking about potential, I'm starting to, my hands floating around the panic button. I I, want to see that, you know, the high expectations, the high trajectory and those guys really starting to always already take advantage of those. Because like I said, this is a group that's in the hunt. And as I know, from my experience as a Miami Dolphin fan, if you're in the hunt, you're not in the playoffs, and that's basically what it boils down to. So, Matt, tell us. Tell us everything you know about Kirk Merritt. I want to hear this, and I think Jake completely, you know, he annihilated what he said about this receiving core. It's it's one of those things that we got to sit back, relax, and see the way it all unfolds. But tell us what you know about undrafted free agent Kirk Merritt, because a lot of Dolphin fans, you know, for – for one reason or another, are already comparing him to Preston Williams, who, again, I think is, uh, you know, was a much better prospect coming out. So what have you heard about Kirk Merritt and his, you know, potential of making that, that opening day roster? 
Yes. Yeah, so uh, th- thanks for thanks for bringing me in, Howitz. I appreciate it. Um, so I-, I was talking to someone from the Dolphins the other day on the phone at nighttime because it's COVID and we can't talk to each other in person. Not that we would because he lives in Florida and I live in Connecticut. But what about the nighttime? How does that play a factor into this? Because I feel like I, I feel like have... people open up more at nighttime. Okay, you know, is that what we're doing here? <laughs> I I guess so. <laughs> um, canceled. The show's canceled. Shut it down. That's it. We can't do it. Everything's canceled right now. So if, why not just throw Finside Radio into there? Basically, this, and I know that the, the the team is not on the field right now. So take this for what it's worth right now. But at this point. The Dolphins are very excited about the prospects of Kirk Merritt making this team. Uh, he's very tuned into meetings right now. He is doing a very good job of grasping the playbook. He has a complete understanding of what is happening in the meetings. And the Dolphins coaches at this point are very hopeful that when they do hit the field, he is going to be able to easily translate what he's been learning and what he's been displaying, the uh, comprehension he's been displaying in meetings can be translated to the practice field pretty quickly. Now, the source did say that, you know, he does have some, um, I don't want to say head issues, but sometimes focus problems, consistency issues, and he's hoping, the source is hoping that the coaches can get through to him once once they're able to get back on the field. Um, I heard another thing the other day, yesterday, I believe it was, where there were several scouts, numerous scouts in the Dolphin for the Dolphins, and I can't say banging on the table in the war room because there was no war room, but they were really pushing hard for the Dolphins to draft Merritt in the seventh round because they were afraid and they did not want to lose him as a UDFA. So they were really pushing for Chris Greer and the coaching staff to to um, take Merritt in the seventh round because they really fell in love with him during the, during the draft process. And so that just speaks volumes to the, um, the way they're looking at him right now. Obviously, once you hit the field, everything can change. But as of this moment, with the virtual meetings and the camps going on, he is someone to watch heading into training camp. Here's a little background on him. Um, Arkansas State is senior year, 83 catches, 1,005 yards, seven touchdowns. Uh, the previous year, 70 receptions, 806 yards, and 12 touchdowns. He was dismissed from Texas A&M because of off-the-field issues. Um, if you're interested in those, go, go go look them up. I don't really get want to get too much into that. Uh, All Sun Belt Conference uh, honors both years at Arkansas. Uh, he seems like when I watched highlights, it seemed like uh, he's a guy who's just going to put his head down and run over anyone. Don't get in his way or you're going to get hit by a train. Um, he won Nike's Spark Award Speed, Power, Agility, Reaction, and Quickness National Championship in 2014. Uh, previous winners include um, Landon Collins, the Washington Redskins safety, um, former New York Giant, and Baltimore Ravens' J.K. Dobbins. Uh, from Lance Zerline of NFL.com, uh, without question, Merritt is one of the most athletic and explosive receivers in the draft for all his uh, physical prowess. He doesn't impose his explosiveness on opponents enough. And if you're saying that in college, you got to be kind of concerned about that. You mentioned someone like Landon Collins. Those safeties are big boys, and they can really push you around if you're not going to be the one to push them first. Um, the ball skills are impressive, but the route running needs work. Uh, the play traits and athleticism would usually be enough to land him on day three, but character concerns in his background could keep him from being picked. And probably my favorite stat about him, um, he likes the paint. 
I don't, I don't know what you want us to say about that. I, I do think you brought up that J.K. Dobbins thing just to troll me because I think you know how upset that makes me. To this very day, it'll probably upset me for 10 years from now. But, I mean, Kirk Merritt liked one of my tweets on Twitter. I think I threw out the eye emojis when he jumped up on that box. There was a video going around surfacing about that. So, I mean, I think that based off what Matt said, I mean, why is he not just – you know, why can't he make the roster of an Isaiah Ford and Alan Hearns? I mean, it's going to be definitely be interesting to watch. And to me, it's going to – a big factor is going to be how these rosters expand with everything going on with COVID and then, you know, what these guys can bring to the table. A guy like Kirk Merritt is going to be a little bit behind a guy like an Isaiah Ford, you would imagine. But then again, it's a brand-new offense. So time will tell which one of these guys is going to make the roster. And we didn't even mention Ricardo Lewis, who the Dolphins kept around – or Matt Collins, who they picked up off waivers last year, who's a special teams maven. I think he might have had almost had a touchdown pass against the Jets, but he ended up, I think it might have been Fitzpatrick overthrew him. And another name you have on here, Malcolm Perry, who I believe the Dolphins have listed as a running back. So I think what Malcolm Perry brings to the table, at least out of those three, maybe even if you bring back Kirk Merritt or Isaiah Ford, I think Malcolm Perry is going to be absolutely on this roster when, when all is said and done because the Dolphins show that they had that interest in a guy that can do – the Taysom Hill type things, you know, they went after Chris Strebler, the quarterback from Canada that ended up landing in Arizona. He had that skill set of a Taysom Hill. Wasn't a great quarterback, but could go out there and bulldoze over a defender or, or, you know, make plays in the passing game, throw the football a little bit. Malcolm Perry, you know, he's a Navy man. He, he's a guy who very, very unique skill set. And I'm excited to see what he can do in this offense because, you know, they ran the Wildcat last season with Kalen Balaj. You throw Malcolm Perry on there, and that's a game changer. You know, how's that any different than when the Dolphins drafted Pat White in the second round and thought he could do things? I mean, you watch Malcolm Perry's film, very similar players. So he's listed as a running back, but he's absolutely going to make plays, and he could do that in the slot. So this receiving core is loaded, and the biggest thing to me is, you know, it's all about potential, staying healthy, and just going out there and seizing the opportunity. And whichever one of these guys, especially later on this depth chart, whichever one of those guys can step up, and maybe they make a play in those two preseason games. You know, that could be the difference between making the roster and landing on a practice squad. But again, I don't truly know how these rosters are going to be set up with everything going on and how many players are going to expand on or how these practice squads are going to be viewed. But every one of these players can make a case as to why they belong on the opening day roster. And it's just going to be fascinating to see if this is a strong unit and, you know, the Parkers and, and Williams and all those guys go out there, stay healthy and prove that they're these upper echelon wide receivers. And then which one of these lower guys, you know, lower down the depth chart can seize that opportunity and prove that they are the superstar. You know, Jakeem Grant, does he go out there and show that he's not just a returner like he's saying, that he can go out there and do the things that we all think he can do? It's it's very fascinating, and I, I'm excited, but I'm also cautiously, cautiously, cautiously optimistic to see how things play out. Man, that that was uh, I, I enjoyed that. I didn't really want to write too much about the, those final three guys. I, I feel like that's there's some excitement regarding Malcolm Perry for sure. Um, one issue I think is is fumbling issues, but um, seventh round pick I see him more as maybe a guy they're gonna try to use down the road. Maybe he's on the practice squad for a little while. Um, that, that that that's pretty much I have on there. Matt, thank you for joining us, buddy. You have any last thoughts? Uh, go Dolphins. Uh, like Joshua Houts said, um, it, it's very cautiously optimistic heading into the 2020 season with these guys. And uh, it's Boomer Bust, and visit us at ProFootballNetwork.com.
There it is. There it is. He's going to have an easy button that says it's sooner <laughs> rather than later. Yeah, no, I think that's the thing here. And that's why I wanted, we wanted to have this conversation because I saw that tweet you said where, where you know, I, I forgot the exact wording, but it was basically like, you know, the, the floor is, is, is so uh, low, but the ceiling is so high for this group. And people really got on you about how, how strong oh, yeah. this group already is, yada, yada. And, and you know, the potential is there, but but again, you know, you, when you have guys who've been in the league four or five years and we're already talking about, and we're still talking about potential, that's a bit concerning in terms of what they're going to be able to do. And I think this is just going to be a really unique group to watch, not only this season, but just how, how it unfolds going into next season. How many guys they draft? Do they go first round? Do they draft a couple guys? You know, it, it's really going to be interesting to see, especially when you think back, I mean, their last two high picks, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Devontae Parker, first-round pick, Jarvis Landry, third-round pick. You know, so it's going to be interesting to see how when the Dolphins decide to invest more uh, at this type of position. But, guys, be sure to follow Houts and I on, on Twitter, at H-O-U-T-Z, at jmendel 31 And please, please hit that subscribe button. Give us that five-star rating. It all helps us so, so much just kind of be able to present a strong podcast to you guys every week. Tell your friends about it. Maybe we'll even award one of you guys who are is giving you or is hitting us with that subscribe button. More information on that coming soon. Matt, is there anything last you want to plug other you know than strip the website? What what what's the article you're most excited about on your website right now? We just released a three round twenty twenty one NFL mock draft it's getting tens of thousands of views right now it is uh, the number one ranking in google when you search 2021 nfl mock draft thanks to our seo expert tyler olson and uh check it out the dolphins uh have five selections in the first three rounds of the 2021 nfl mock draft in that mock draft ian cummings our draft analyst over at pfn uh, 365.com mocks a wide receiver to the dolphins and it's not jamar chase The, the name might surprise you and then after that he goes all in on defense for the next several picks. Dolphins will be able to move up and down the board as they see fit in 2021. And uh, we just got to hope that the Texans have a bad year and that pick, it gets a little bit higher. The Dolphins can do the Dolphins can do some nice damage and, and stay tuned. We have an article coming out on Tua Tunga Vailoa and the Dolphins anticipated plans for him for the 2020 season. That will be published on Friday. Thank you, thank you so much for everyone taking your time to listen. Uh, I know things are still not exactly where we want them to be. Uh, keep grinding. We're getting there. Football season around the corner and will most certainly help us take our minds off of uh, things that are happening. Uh, Josh, Matt, thank you guys. If I feel like I'm part of the old crew and it was a lot of fun and I hope our listeners felt the same way. And uh, most importantly, fins up, gentlemen. Fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Like no one's ever seen We're in the air, we're on the